Stand by. The vacuum tubes are warming up. This is a special live broadcast. Right here on Georgia Radio. Well, hello. It's, once again, it's time for the Georgia Folk and Farm Life Radio Show on Georgia Radio. With Matt Jolly, myself, Wade Peebles here. We're here every Tuesday night at 7.30, and then our, all our episodes from the past are on podcast. You go to georgiaradio.com anytime and listen. And tonight we have a guest. We have Steve Meeks. Hello, Steve. Hello. You've got a good radio voice. If you, Since you don't do anything else, maybe you should take up radio. Well, I, I work cheap, so there may be a future there. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> but, and I, you're, I'm being facetious when I say you don't have much to do. You got a lot of irons in the fire, y'all. You've got a lot of you've got the uh, y'all multitasking there. The Meeks family, you have. Um, I can remember when y'all logged, and then you went into mm-hmm. uh, the, the what we won't talk about tonight. The main thing is um, is the uh, fine seeding nursery, Meeks Farm. Mm-hmm. Nursery, and y'all yes, also sir. have uh, brought into the cattle y'all, uh, in the in the meat business. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's mainly my sons, but we're we're kind of right. all in it together. Y'all got two or three cows, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, we got a, got enough to keep us busy. Too many in the winter time because you have to feed them every day. Yeah, cows don't take a day off, now, and it's not as bad. Now, don't take up dairy farming. Now, I I've never dairy farmed, but I'm I've known enough people. It went insane, you know. Uh, I used to deliver uh, cottonseed uh, to dairy farms all over the country, mm-hmm. and I saw how. Oh yeah, I don't want a dairy farm, but you're you're you have beef <laughs> cattle and and uh, some and some fine ones too. But uh, how? What year did? How long have y'all been? Y'all have grown this uh, this fine seeding business into a pretty big business. How many years? Did, what year did you start? We we started in '96. I think I remember cutting that track where it was all timber to land y'all. I think I helped cut that uh, whole logs mm-hmm. off that when y'all when y'all cut it and uh, mm-hmm. to, to build to start. Yeah, that's been been a good while mm-hmm. back. But uh, what all you you, you uh, what varieties? Uh, I know longleaf, but you also do loblolly. Is that just longleaf and loblolly the two uh, species that y'all uh, grow? Well, we do we do longleaf. Uh, that's our main main crop. Then we have good many loblolly and we also do slash and, and we'll grow some special stuff on contract we've done done sand pine before short leaf pine uh, virginia pine pond pine uh, and then we do some warm season grasses uh, wire grass indian grass uh, some of the blue stems uh, just just a lot of different pretty much whatever anybody wants we'll, we'll try it for them well, what interests me uh, of all the things is, is the long leaf and paired with the wiregrass. A lot of people, uh, most people around here, I would say, uh, know what wiregrass is. But wiregrass is a native grass just to our region, as far as I know. And it's, it's, uh, it's mm-hmm. a, it grew in the woods, and, and uh, it was part of what we consider you to call the long leaf ecosystem, a fire mm-hmm. ecosystem, where, where the long leaf mm-hmm. and the slash two, slash and long leaf pine, and the other pines, but mostly slash and long leaf grew uh, over inland along the coast and inland up to to the really the fall line, I would say, or the upper coastal plain, and from mm-hmm. Virginia to Texas. And mm-hmm. Georgia had its had its share of longleaf and slash. And, mm-hmm. 
And those were the pines that were turpentine. They, they have a higher, what makes longleaf and slash uh, special uh, mm-hmm. is they have a, they, a, a higher concentration of rosin in the wood and, and as they grow. So they are mm-hmm. good quality lumber. But, but um, they, what, today, the, the, the longleaf is planted today uh, twofold, I think. And you can, you can tell me if I'm wrong here. But there's two things that people, people are wanting to, to reestablish that habitat. And when I say longleaf, longleaf pines, they have to have fire in order for their pine cones to open and disperse their seed, right? Yes, longleaf long are definitely a, a fire-dependent ecosystem. Like they have right. to have fire to develop properly. And, and when they're in that young stage, what's called the wiregrass stage, there again, if your wiregrass looks a lot like uh, a young Longleaf pine, when it's it it uh, has it's called longleaf because it's it's uh, needles are like eighteen to what twenty inches long, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, those in that sixteen to twenty inch range, sixteen and twenty inch, and and that's why they're prized today and planted to uh, harvest the uh, straw for landscaping. People want uh, when they buy a bale of pine straw or bales of pine straw for landscaping, uh, they want longleaf. You can't hardly give away the shorter. Uh, needle. Mm-hmm. I, I've hauled plenty of my share of pine straw to Atlanta <laughs> to the market up there, and uh, mm-hmm. and it, they all want longleaf. So that that is the two things that driving demand. For a few years, you couldn't give you couldn't have given away a, a longleaf seedling, could you? Uh, for no, a time. they were. Yeah, they were extremely hard to uh, to transplant. You know, to plant. So back right. when most of the nurseries back in the seventies and eighties, uh, the Lonely seedlings were, were bare root seedlings. Uh, right. And then in the 90s, uh, some folks started looking at growing them in containers. And that's that's kind of like, you know, if you go to you know, some of the big chain stores and you buy the you know, tomato plants in the little cups, that's kind of kind of what that's similar to. And right. they, they call those containerized seedlings. And when the containerized seedlings started catching on with landowners and foresters, uh, it became a lot easier to establish lonely stands. And then uh, folks really started getting interested in it when they saw they could get a stand of, of lonely pine. Right. Right. Years, now, it, was, it was very hard to establish. A longleaf pine is, it is to, in my notion, is the most beautiful pine. It's the most beautiful lumber. It, I love to see them growing. Mm-hmm. In, and, there were they they are slow growing now. It takes I used to hear say it takes ten years from to get out of wiregrass seven to ten years, and I, I don't know that that's you know a little bit strict. But then back years ago, when they mm-hmm. were growing in a natural system, they was hard to find a, a sunny spot. The old pines that the the, the when you had uh, a, the natural forest that was here. And it mm-hmm. it burned ever so often, and it was fire dependent. We spoke of that. The wiregrass mm-hmm. and the longleaf, they they developed together in nature, mm-hmm. and they that along with the the animals and the plants that they shared that habitat were all uh, dependent on. They were codependent, so to speak. They they were mm-hmm. they had a, a synergistic uh, existence there, where one depended on the other. Mm-hmm. You when you think of, of the gopher tortoise, the fox squirrel. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, habitat, and, and most of that has been lost. And mm-hmm. so people today are trying to uh, reestablish it. Of course, when you do uh, a longleaf pine plantation for like growing for straw, uh, mm-hmm. that's not exactly what you're going for. But it's good to have, to my notion, any good long any longleaf is a good longleaf pine. Mm-hmm. And I just mm-hmm. champion. 
And uh, so, uh, were y'all among the first to start really when taking advantage of the uh, of the trend towards uh, planting them years ago? Well, they were there were a few nurseries around. Uh, uh, some in Alabama, some in Georgia. They were they were a lot of kind of what I call the the mom and pop nurseries. You know, the folks would you know want to you know try to make a little extra money, and they would they would grow. You know, fifty, a hundred, two hundred thousand seedlings a year, and they were a lot of those little nurseries around. And that sounds they, like a they, lot, but that's not that's not much. Is it? No, when you you know you consider putting about six hundred seedlings to the acre, you know, someone has you know fifty thousand seedlings. You just you just can't establish a very big forest with that. But those those nurseries kind of went went by the wayside back, uh, you know, in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, and. And you started seeing, you know, larger nurseries uh, come along, and uh, we we grow about fifteen million seedlings a year now. And that's roughly, if you, you know, a lot of people don't don't really see how you translate that, but roughly that's about twenty five thousand acres worth of, of seedlings. You know, you can reforest twenty five thousand acres with that. Yeah, I met a friend of mine, Shannon McCullough, this week. He had been, I think, the South Carolina yeah. would love you for you. And I've mm-hmm. hauled loads for you in the past with uh, Deco and Reefer units, keep them temperature controlled, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. what we're talking about tractor trailer loads, uh, 53, 48-foot or 53-foot trailer loads of seedlings mm-hmm. going to one one site and saying uh, mm-hmm. Florida, Alabama, that's where I've taken them uh, before, delivered mm-hmm. for you. For and uh, over the years, hadn't done that recently. Mm-hmm. I have in the past, but um, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a big operation, and you know uh, a lot of work goes into planting. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a job. Now, work riding that planter is not something I want to do. I've seen that done. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's hard work. That's a young man's job, ain't it, Steve? It really is. It really you is. Get, a- you, you get behind a dozer or a tractor going through the woods and bouncing over stumps and all, and they don't slow down. They dropping them, and you got to drop them seedlings, and they're, they're just planting them, you know. And yeah, that's yeah. that's rough. Job. Hanging on with both hands and working working with the other two. <laughs> that's right. Well, uh, the uh, have you ever get a chance to go see the fruits of your labor? Do you visit uh, some some of the more mature uh, places that which which in terms of longleaf pine, they're not mature. It takes a you know uh, a, a they grow slower. They do grow good, a little bit slower, mm-hmm. and they're denser. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, a 15-, 20-year-old uh, longleaf is not that big a tree. But do you ever get around to, to going out and sit, uh, and seeing how the, some established uh, plantings? We have. We've, uh, we have a chance every now and then to go go visit some places. And, and I guess one of the most interesting things that happened to us this year is uh, a guy down in the Pensacola area back in the early 2000s, bought a, uh, he bought a couple hundred thousand seedlings from us and got them established. And he actually started gathering seed on those. And he sent us some seed this past year. And we actually grew some seed from some of the seedlings that, that we grew originally and sent back to him. So now That's he started good. on his second crop. And wow. I mean, we just, we just run upon a lot of good folks. Uh, and you know we have stories like that that you know people call us, tell us about, and they, you know, we just we just run up with a lot of good people. And I tell people, I said most folks that plant trees are are good people. If they I if they weren't good that, people, yeah. they wouldn't they wouldn't be interested in reforestation and, and you know trying to make their land better. But we, well, we do that, get out occasionally to see things like that. 
well, Steve, when I want that, um, speaking of seed, well, you don't get a seedling without a seed. And speaking of seed, now, mm-hmm. when I was young, and you and and I think I'm older than you, but uh, mm-hmm. when I know you remember, people used to buy slash pine and other pine cones, mm-hmm. people in every community. They'd be, I knew old ladies yeah. that bought bought them and yeah. and they would mm-hmm. the, the the they would have those wooden bins in the backyard and they'd pay you by the bushel and people would mm-hmm. climb the trees and knock them out i've had people come to my house and you know uh, mm-hmm. climb the trees or take a long pole and knock the pine cones down and and uh, gather them and sell them and you'd let them let them have mm-hmm. them and and a lot of people made extra money to feed their family or young folks made money mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. now that's the thing of the past you don't see that anymore but it used to be a very common thing and those seeds would yeah. go to a, a nursery, and they would, uh, I think you have to have bake my, my uncle's down in the Ockawaha National Forest in Florida, worked mm-hmm. in the Forest Service down there. They did a lot of that, and I grew up around it. I know they mm-hmm. had to bake them, to bake those pine cones to open them up and get the seed out and yep. win them out. But it, mm-hmm. how do you get your seed now? Uh, uh, long leaf slash loblight, where do you, you, do you have a standing forest where you, did you a reserve place where you uh, get your seed from, or where do you get them from others? Where, where, how do you do that? Well, that's, that's a little different with each species. With loblolly and slash, the, the seedlings now are all what they call improved seedlings. The That's seeds fair. come out of seed orchards where the, the parents were selected in that orchard for you know the characteristics that they were looking for. With longleaf, very little improvement work was done. Uh, most of the longleaf seedlings now are what we call native or, or wild, still wild seed. You, know, you go out in the woods and you find a stand and, and collect the seed, and we, we do that. Almost every year, we find a stand. It's, uh, we have a, a tree shaker. It's actually a, a cat loader uh, with a shaker, pecan shaker head that's been tuned to uh, you know, to shake a little harder than pecans. And we actually shake the long leaf cones out of the tree. We pick them up, send them to a processor. They dry them and get the seed out and send them back to us. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I wondered. That, that's something I wondered about. I, I was familiar with pretty much. I haven't been to your nursery and and picked up loads and been out there to to visit. Uh, I, but that was the one one aspect of it that um, mm-hmm. that I was wondered about. How? You, what? What happened? Why is it? Wonder why? Why in the fifties and well in the sixties and early seventies it was such a widespread thing for people to gather uh, pine cones. Why is that no longer done that way? What's different about it? Well, like I said, the the slash and lob, and then, like you said, slash was the, was the main cone in this right. area that was gathered. You know, those those trees are, are what they call improved now. They, so they went what out you're and saying and about them the, being improved now, you just covered that, basically, and I kind of, I didn't really, it didn't click. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying, once once the uh, nursery started making seed trees that could be depended on, mm-hmm. then it, it didn't, it wasn't mm-hmm. necessary. That makes sense. I got you there. That whole, yeah. this whole industry intrigues me, and I hope uh, people out there listening, uh, a lot of times we, we do something different every Tuesday night here on this show. Sometimes we're funny, mm-hmm. and sometimes we're serious, and sometimes we're educational, and that's what Georgia folks in farm life is mm-hmm. if the facebook group some we we do a little of it all out there we make you laugh we make you cry and uh, and and then uh, we make you think welcome to another round of drawing board or miro board today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect maya let's go first question you've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five drawing board or miro board drawing board and if i'm being honest miro would probably cut that time down by half you know with its ai tools and ready-to-go templates 
Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times. And stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in. But you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro, easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And uh, I make you shake your head sometimes. I see Matt's over there laughing. I see. Him. Well, I'm laughing because I'm laughing because we were talking earlier tonight about about who who all was listening tonight. And London apparently doesn't like us talking about trees because <laughs> the, five, the five folks from London have all tuned out tonight. We've, so oh but that's all right. We, we're making it up. Yeah, we're making it up though. We got we've got Ringgold tuned in tonight. Lawrenceville, Ella Bell, bunch of people from Ella Bell listening. A bunch from Atlanta and well, Jackson. Hey, there's not a bunch of people in Ella Bell. Well, we got we got uh, a few of them here. Everybody in, everybody in Ella Bell. Yeah, probably. Yeah, we've yeah. got we've got that market covered, and a bunch up in Atlanta yeah. and Warner Robins. So, it's anyway. like saying there's a lot from Tyler Meeks, you know, from over there in that area. <laughs> 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 I'm in, I'm enjoy. I've got a question for Steve here. You know, yeah. the, the lumber prices have been up and down, right? And we've seen all of this. We've seen all these articles about people that invested all their. You know, they, they invested a whole bunch of their retirement planning into uh, into trees. I'm guessing the price for seedlings is relatively level. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it, it doesn't fluctuate a lot because it's not market dependent, or is it? Well, the, the seedling market is kind of follows the, the, the harvest. Uh, you know, usually when you have heavy harvesting for several years, then the seedling market catches up to it, and we're we're just, and Wade can tell you, we're just kind of in a robust harvest cycle for the last several years. Uh, so the seedling business has been been pretty good, but you know our business is like everything else. You know, uh, when prices increase, we have to increase, and our our soils, you know, our peat, you know, comes out of Canada, and you know, right now the border is closed. You're not not getting any peat out of Canada coming into coming into the south. So we're seeing a huge increase in, in fertilizer prices, chemical prices, uh, peat prices, labor prices. So the seed, like you said, the seedling business has been pretty stable. The prices have been pretty stable. We're starting to starting to have to creep up a little bit to catch up with, with, with inflation. Well, that brings me to my next point, Wade, which is I think Steve's a pretty good businessman. So you yeah, and I can yeah, learn I an think. awful lot from a guy like Steve. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, I, I know their dad. They've they've always been good at business. They've they've yeah. been uh, uh, well. They've got a good reputation at business. You know, that sounds that counts for a lot. Uh, there are people that can go in the same business say that the Meeks family might go into. They might not make a go of it, or they don't have a, a, a good reputation. But um, they, they, their family has, uh, and this is what third generation now in it. Uh, would you, Steve? The, mm-hmm. That's right. 
I got, got two got, boys. I got three boys. Two boys. Two working with us. Wow. Talk yeah. about the and cattle I, business a little bit and your boys, because that's a, I, I, you know, you, you talk, you mentioned about the trucks and how nothing's rolling right now in Canada. Uh, and there's talks that, you know, we've all been through this whole thing of supply chain problems. Uh, how practical is it to, to buy a quarter cow uh, and buy beef the way that you're talking about right now? Because to me, it seems like a pretty good idea. Well, we, we're trying to simplify the process. Um, you know, our, our, we've, we've been in the cattle business a long time. And, you know, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, we were actually looking back and we're, we're on the eighth eighth generation right now of uh, you know our family you know working in the I guess the fields and forest of the south but you know you're talking about the supply chain situation you know, you get to mess with folks food and they get really interested in supply chain really quick and uh, I saw an article uh, maybe a day or so ago where some of the major retailers are actually locking the stakes in the coolers now where if you want a steak you, you go see somebody and say hey I want to buy a steak and they open it up and you can get a steak out. But we're, like I said, we're trying to simplify the process. Uh, basically, uh, someone wants to buy a quarter beef, uh, you, you're looking at 100 to 125 pounds of beef. You know, you're going to get some ground beef, you'll get some steaks, you'll get some roast, you'll get cube steak, you know, fajita meat, short ribs, brisket, you know, all basically all the cuts of the cow, you know, you'll, you'll get some of that. And we want to make it easy for people to do that. And, Pretty much folks call and say, hey, I want a quarter beef. And, uh, well, we'll say, you know, I'm, I'm going to have some come ready in March or April. And when we get that beef processed, uh, the USDA processor, uh, the customer fills out his cut sheet and you know, decides how thick he wants his steaks, how big he wants his roast. Uh, if he wants a lean hamburger meat, wants a you know, hamburger meat with a little more fat in it, he get, gets to pick all that and uh, Process or custom processes it. He vacuum seals it. Uh, he calls us. We come pick it up and deliver it to the customer's house. And that'd be, you know, vacuum sealed, frozen. They just take it right out of that and put it in their freezer. And they have a, you know, three months, six months, year supply of beef right there. And they don't, they don't really have to worry about supply chain for their family. And uh, it's quality stable, ain't it? It has it is it's quality stable when it's prepared like that and frozen, right? It's not like wrapped yeah. in saran wrap and throw it in the freezer. To the bottom of the freezer. That's right. Well, well this this commercial uh, vacuum seal process is good for about three years. That's amazing, uh, so right it's, there. It's, that's a, that's a long shelf life. It really is. Yeah, you can go to the, the grocery store and you know stock up, say, and you buy those styrofoam trays with a thin saran wrap. And it's not completely sealed; mm-hmm. it's wrapped over and right. gathered on the bottom. And you put that in the mm-hmm. freezer, and two months later, you take it out, and it's just dog food. What mm-hmm. it is because yep. it's freezer burnt. But uh, that's right. In, if you um, if you get it prepared the way y'all do it, um, and it like you say it's good for up to three years, and probably most people wouldn't uh, would would be used up for three years because it's so good. Mm-hmm. Well, this is good. Yeah, beef I, too. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's great beef. Yeah. I want I want to put this out there. Uh, you can find it at Meeks Brothers on Facebook. There, Meeks Brothers Meats mm-hmm. on Facebook, mm-hmm. and we've quick linked yeah, Meeks, Meeks Brothers Cattle. Yeah. Meeks Brothers Cattle. That's right. And I've quick linked mm-hmm. uh, your your nursery into the show story and we'll okay. make sure that that gets uh, in the podcast as well but uh, good 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 yeah that's great stuff steve thanks for for sharing well, let me that. let me let me make one kind of one comment about me you know your meat you know beef is the taste of beef is determined by what is fed uh and you i mean you can produce quality beef with quality feed in time 
you don't you don't process an animal before it's ready. You wait until that animal is fully finished, and when I mean finished, I'm talking about the amount of fat that's that's on the meat and the amount of fat that's in the meat, the marbling. So you take good feed and time, and, and you can make good beef. And that's 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 our goal. <laughs> and and y'all figured out how it's done. That, it's not a, a luck of the draw thing. You know, I can remember uh, Steve when I was a boy. Daddy bought a, a half mm-hmm. a half a cow one time was mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. back when he used to have the old freezer locker up there in town and he rented you know yep. the, and it was so tough but it was because it wasn't done the way y'all do it mm-hmm. and, and it's not the well, luck I, of the draw and it, it's it's done completely different and there again is it was it's done in a professional way and and mm-hmm. back then you, you could get a good cow and you could get a bad cow you know mm-hmm. one that was tough and i remember we got a tough one and i remember we chewed mm-hmm. we chewed on that thing for a while buddy <laughs> We ate it like a cat. Steve and Matt, y'all know how the cat ate the grubbing hoe, a little piece at a time. Yeah, and that's way about way we ate that cow. <laughs> We're talking, you know, talking about quality meat. We just we just purchased uh, three bulls that are they're in the top ten percent of their breed for marbling in the in the whole breed. And you know, science, you know, they 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 do sonograms, they do ribeye area. They measure ribeye, they measure fat content, they measure marbling, and it's—I mean, everything is 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 you know scientific. You know, you don't you don't leave anything to chance now unless you just want to. That I sounds mean, like they, they, give, they give those bulls away, right? They, yeah. They're free. <laughs> they're right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're free. You just go pick them up. <laughs> yeah, that that, that, that read uh, that read like your last physical, didn't it, Wade? Yeah, <laughs> checking you for marbling and everything else. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you never know what you're going to hear on this show. Last last week we were talking about pigs. We by the way, we got to do pig of the week, Wade, before we before we wrap things up tonight. So don't forget. Who is the pig of the week? You want to hear the pig of the week this week? The pig yeah, of the, the week this week uh, is Scarlet. And Miss Dawn Baker writes in: Scarlet is one of our beloved pigs at Wallow in the Woods Pig Sanctuary. There in Metter, she was rescued four years ago. She loves belly rubs and is extremely playful. <laughs> and if you'd like to donate or be Miss Scarlet's sponsor, you can message Miss Dawn Baker right there at Georgia Folk and Farm Life, or you can find them at Wallow in the Woods on Facebook. And she has a great picture there of Scarlet. Well, um, we do want people to support yeah. uh, the Wallow in the Woods and Dawn and, and Scott. Their their efforts there to to, to save and and and. Uh, Quite a good home for those pigs. That's just this sweet. It really is. Well, Steve Conway would love to. Likes that. Conway was impressed with the whole thing. Oh, he, yeah. He told me he was. <laughs> well, Steve would love to adopt one of his cows to you. The good thing is he'll even deliver it. Yeah, uh-huh. Conway asked yeah. about, about a little bit of beef. <laughs> Conway is a big fan of good beef. Well, actually, Conway is a big fan of most anything, especially chicken. Mm-hmm. But y'all, y'all don't have chicken, so yeah, send Conway a pack of beef. <laughs> we, can, we can find him a rib or something other, I'm sure. <laughs> He'll love that. <laughs> well, Steve, i tell you what. We've, we've had a great uh, time tonight. Uh, if I like doing something different once in a while, and this was different, and that um, 
uh, I learned something and we want the listeners to learn. And I know the listeners won't learn. I'm, I'm, uh, I think that's one thing they tune in for entertainment and to learn mm-hmm. things. And so, uh, I, we kind of, we don't have the time to go in depth and, uh, mm-hmm. radio is not really in depth medium, but we, we could pique people's interest in it and they, I, they could go out and learn more. And that's, that's, uh, oh, yeah. what I hope they'll do is, uh, check out y'all got a, uh, y'all got on Facebook and, uh, on, on the, mm-hmm. on the net. And yep. uh, so, all right, Steve. Listen, it's been a it's been a, a blessing having you on here. Uh, thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll see you on Facebook. All right. Well, it's been been my pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks again, Steve. Steve. Appreciate you coming on. Mm-hmm. You can oh, uh, you. again. You can find uh, all of uh, the links to Steve's various websites uh, right in the show story. Uh, when we're finished here, we'll put that up on the podcast if you're just tuning in tonight, and you can catch it all. That way, make it easy, right, Wade? And we'll put it on the. Yeah. Uh, we can put it on uh, Georgia Folk and Farm Life too. Um, uh, sure, 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 sure. All right, well, yeah. Well, uh, thank you all for thank you, Steve, and thank you, Matt. Thank you, everybody, even the people in London that dropped out in yeah. August tonight. Those ingrates, and, uh, you know. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're all there. We can talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. We can say whatever we, we want. <laughs> they'll yes. be back, I'm sure, in a few minutes. But anyhow, yeah. Yeah. They'll. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, listen, you, can, you don't have to stop listening. You can listen to Georgia Radio. And, Matt, you'll be on till what time? I'm going to be on until 10 o'clock tonight. 10 o'clock tonight. I haven't got and, any uh, hate mail yet. No, so, good, uh, good. we're going to play old country tonight. We've got a bunch of fun stuff coming up tonight. Old stuff. Good. Um, well, tune in. Yeah, we've got some bluegrass tonight. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Wonderful. And we're going to do and, uh, all kind of fun stuff. All right. And then to podcast, like I say, go to Georgia Radio. Dot com and uh, you still on the little red button with the plus sign? Yeah, that's it. On the phone, yeah. hit that. Go to podcast and listen to all the episodes and uh, and thank y'all again. We, we do appreciate it so much you tuning in and listening to us and thank y'all. All right, are we done? We're done. You're done. You're gonna go. Get, I'm done. You're gonna go get chicken with Conway. I'm going to Conway is chewing <laughs> my <right>. leg off. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he heard me go. say his name. Here he comes, wide open. Come here, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Wade. <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> here he is, right here. All the best country. Georgia Radio. Everywhere you go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.